The views and discussion expressed on this program do not necessarily represent those of the hosts of the program. WMKV, Maple Knoll Communities, WLHS, the Lakota Local School District, or staff and management. The information and advice presented are educational in nature and not intended to be taken as specific legal, accounting, or other professional advice. Always consult with your own legal, accounting, or other professional before making any investment. Welcome to Real Life Real Estate Investing, a show to help you gain financial freedom by investing in real estate. Brought to you by the Real Estate Investors Association of Cincinnati and the Ohio Real Estate Investors Association. You're listening to Real Life Real Estate Investing on WMKV, WLHS, and the Maple Knoll Radio Network. And now your host, Vena Jones-Cox. Good afternoon. I am Vita Jones-Cox, and this is Real Life Real Estate Investing. We're your nation's public radio source for the news, advice, information, and techniques you need to get started in or continue to build your business in real estate investing. As always, we are broadcasting from the Cromer Mashburn Family Studios here at the Maple Knoll Radio Network. If you happen to be listening to us via our podcast on iTunes, remember you can listen to the program live on Wednesdays at 5 p.m. at wmkvfm.org. Well, it's beginning of the year, and... We're going to continue with our discussion of um, getting the year off to the right start. Last week, we talked with Chuck Bauman about uh, some of the soft part of that, some of the part about having a vision for what you want your whole life to look like, not just your real estate business, and about uh, how to sort of plan your plan your business in such a way that it actually... Um, you know, serves your life instead of the other way around. Today, we're going to talk about putting pencil to paper. And to help me do that, I've got in the studio with me, multi-time real life real estate guest, Jerry Fink. He's a full-time rehabber. He is a recovering CPA. He is a national professional housing provider, and he has owned dirt since there was dirt. And today we're going to talk about business plans. Yes, we are. So let's start with what is the difference between a business plan and what most real estate investors actually wrote down at the beginning of the year? (laughs) (laughs) Well, uh, that's a broad question, isn't it? What most people have written down at the beginning of the year is absolutely nothing. (laughs) Let's be honest. Um, And if they did write something down, it was very, very vague and, um, and really not, not something that you could really call a plan. It's, you know, I want to make, $100,000 $100,000 this year from real estate. Well, yeah. that's Goals. that's a that's a dream. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Um, when you start talking about business plan, it's, it's really sitting down and figuring out how in the world are you going to do that. Mm-hmm. And there are a lot of pieces to that, which I'm sure we're going to uh, touch on as we go through this mm-hmm. evening. And I think it's I think it's interesting that if you really cornered most real estate entrepreneurs and not just the beginners. Right. I mean, people right. who, people who are out there like making offers, finding private lenders, doing deals, they wouldn't have something that uh, any other business would recognize 
as being a real business plan. And that's sort of unique. I mean, yeah. even even people even people who are like in in um, multi level marketing companies are encouraged to create a fairly complex business plan for how they're going to do things. Why do you think that real estate people are different <laughs> in that regard? Well, I think part of it is um, there, there are several reasons, but one is most of us um, or a lot of us didn't come out of a corporate environment, so we didn't grow up having to do that, and. So because you were never told that you were supposed to, you never did it. And the other side of that, the the broad piece of that is that in general, it's not required for us to do our business. Um, in most, you know, in most businesses, let's talk a brick and mortar type of business, you have to have a business plan so you can go to a banker so you can get a business loan to start your business. Well, in, in our business, you don't have to have that. Mm -hmm. Um you know, somebody who goes out and buys their first rental property, for instance, they might have to have their own personal financial statement to go get a loan from a bank. But they don't actually have to show that banker some sort of a plan of how am I going to use this particular asset to to make a living. Mm -hmm. uh, so I think that's one of the big, big differences um, between us and most businesses. Mm -hmm. And commercial investors actually do have to come much closer to having a, a plan for any property they're going to buy. But I mean, single family homes, two families, three families, the, the lending, traditional lending on those has typically been asset based, right? It's, right. Let, let, let's go mathematically prove what the house is worth and we'll give you 70, 75 or 80 percent of that. Or 60 and, or 65, depending <laughs> on the environment that week. Right. And we're right. going to check on your personal income and make sure you can make those payments where with right. a big apartment building, your personal income is never going to cover the payments. So you have to have some sort of a, here's our plan for right. renovating it. Here's our plan for getting it back into service. Here's what it'll rent for. Here's how we're going to cut expenses. So right. that it you get closer to it in the commercial right. business than you do in our business. Our, you know, the complex that I was involved in, in purchasing uh, several years ago, I think our, our business plan was something like 120 pages. Um, and it covered all those things that you talk about. It did, you know, all the the specific market analysis in that particular submarket of the city. Um, you know, who are your competitors? What are their rents? You know, you had to get really, really detailed. So, mm -hmm. um, you know, I've never had to do that <laughs> for a single family <laughs> house, uh, especially when you're buying it from an individual. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, mm -hmm. if, if you go out and just buy a house from a from somebody down the street or you know somebody that you know. You don't have to do all those things, but mm -hmm. um, I think it's important that we do do mm -hmm. those things. Mm -hmm. And with uh, with uh, those of us who focus on the on the smaller residential properties, it's not that you do a business plan for each property. The no. business plan is about the business, right? And and uh, you know, I think I think part of the reason that. Um, real estate investors don't create business plans is they talk themselves into the idea that they're actually investors. Right. Right. And investors don't have business plans. I don't have a plan for what, you know, P&G is going to do with my stock. They have that plan. I just invest no, but, in but it, But even right? there, a sophisticated investor would have an, an investing plan. You well, know, I'm going true. to diversify across these categories of stocks and, you know, all that sort of thing. So, you know, even someone who is more sophisticated in that world, mm -hmm. you know, would do it. But no, we are not investors. Um, most of us are not investors. Most of us are actually um, self-employed entrepreneurs mm -hmm. in our own small business. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I have one more theory about why real estate investors don't have business plans. And, and that is that for whatever reason over the years, the, the real estate world and the sort of personal development motivation 
world have been very tightly entwined. Right. You know, you go to real estate seminars and who's the keynote speaker? Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's Zig Ziglar, or it's you know uh, Les Brown. It's 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 somebody who's uh, very into the idea of envision and and set goals and write your goals down and and uh, uh, you know uh, affirmations, right? D- Dale Carnegie was my dad's yep. very yep. favorite. Yep person in the whole world win friends and influence people exactly yep. and he you know he did everything they said in how to win friends and influence people as if that were a business a plan. business plan as opposed <laughs> exactly. to as, as opposed to a personal development thing and i think because of that that tight relationship where where the folks who are into real estate also tend to be into that into the personal development uh self-actualization type field they replace the I'm going to make myself work harder by having affirmations and setting goals, and I'm going to drive myself. And they don't really think about it as a business. They think about mm-hmm. it as a, basically a job, whatever, yep. whatever, whatever they I, call it. Do they, I want it bad enough? Right. And if so, I'll do these things. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. So um, now that we have sort of discussed why you don't have a business plan in all probability and most of the folks that you know probably don't have a business plan when we come back we're going to talk about why you probably should anyway we're also going to take your questions about getting started out this year at 877-772-9658 if you're here in the greater cincinnati area you can just dial 772-9658 or you can send an email to askvina at gmail.com Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. I'm your host, Vina Jones-Cox. My guest today is Jerry Fink, and we are talking about business plans for real estate entrepreneurs, why you need them, what goes into them, etc. By the way, if you're going to be within a two-hour drive of Cincinnati tomorrow evening, you might want to stop by the RIA of Cincinnati meeting. It's the first meeting of the year, thanks to the fact that the first meeting of the year fell on New Year's Day, and apparently no one was going to show Not up. Even if I was, to come out, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and we're uh, we're talking uh, for the entire meeting about how to how to kickstart the year. Uh, Jerry's going to walk through the things that go into a business plan, which you, you actually have to just kind of see those on a screen. It's really hard to do that on a radio because pe- I can just envision people out in their car trying to write down <laughs> all the stuff that you're that you're going to say. And uh, after that, I am going to be talking about the resolutions that you probably didn't make, but should have for this year. Uh, things like cleaning up your the messes that are getting in your way and uh, some others. So uh, you can come to that meeting as a guest at no charge and get more information about it at CincinnatiRIA.com. That's CincinnatiREIA.com. So... Uh, Jerry, we've talked about all the reasons that folks don't have business plans. And 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 let's face it, if you're going to do a real one, it is not something you're going to sit down and do in an hour. Oh, no. No, it, it takes some time to, to do one correctly because there, there are a lot of uh, aspects of it that you really need to think through. And and really, that's the probably the most important reason why to do it is to actually think through. Um, when you go through the, the various sections of the plan... Each of those is going to kind of make you think about, uh, are my assumptions correct? Mm-hmm. Uh, what are my assumptions? Now, I don't know. You maybe didn't get the memo, but uh, we're not allowed to ask real estate investors to think anymore. Oh, no. Everything has to be done, you know, turnkey done for and them. done for you and, and, and so on. No, Spoiler alert. <laughs> no, people, don't don't fall for it. 
thinking is one of the best things you can do in your in your business. And uh, it's an excellent point that um, just because you heard that something was a great business doesn't mean that when you sit down and do the research, it's going to be a great business in the neighborhood that you're thinking of mm-hmm. or with the kind of clientele that you're thinking of or, right. you know, a, gr- a great example being, you know, I, I feel bad for the folks who live out in San Francisco and want to buy rental properties that, that, right. that they can, you know, everyone says, make sure your rental properties are within half an hour of you. Right. Well, first of all, based on my experience that's in San about Francisco, three blocks. that's yeah. three blocks. And <laughs> secondly, yeah. uh, you know, unless you are rolling in money and don't care that much about the return, you know, you're really depending on the, the, the cyclical nature of the California market to make you money, uh, y- you aren't going to get the kind of returns that you have been hearing people say they're getting mm-hmm. there. So uh, sitting down and actually uh, doing some research, and it, it sounds sounds strange that you would do research, but when I wrote my business plan, I spent a lot of time on free websites like City Data and Googling things and right. USCensus.gov, uh, just just seeing if my assumptions about the kind of return that I could get on something in a particular neighborhood right. were correct. Right. And we don't have to go as far as San Francisco. I mean, we could just look at the various areas around Cincinnati. Mm-hmm. And some of them are great rental areas, and some of them are great rehab retail areas. Mm-hmm. Um, and very rarely is the same physical location both of those. Exactly. And so it's it's local knowledge and understanding your specific, you know, literally down to different sides of the street sometimes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There was a Cincinnati REA member. This has been two or three years ago, so hopefully he's not listening because he won't recognize <laughs> himself if he is. Who uh, he kept coming to meetings, and kept coming to meetings, and kept coming to meetings, and he kept saying that he he wanted to get into wholesaling. He's a brand new investor, and after about six months of listening to him say, "I can't find any deals," where where you know there were hundreds of deals being done all around him, I said, "What is it you are looking for exactly? What what are you making offers on?" And he said, "Well, basically, I wanted I want to wholesale in three neighborhoods." mistaken assumption number one right that you could right. limit your you could right. limit your uh, activities to three neighborhoods and then he named number two three and four of the wealthiest neighborhoods in cincinnati mm-hmm. because that was where he, he left lived. Out, he left out indian hill he left out indian hill exactly but he, <laughs> he he wanted to do like you know madeira and hyde park and mount lookout right and i said let me guess that what's happening is you're making offers on properties that aren't that ugly right because it's kind of hard to find a real junker property in those neighborhoods and that you are getting outbid a hundred percent of the time by tens of thousands of dollars <laughs> and usually by an owner occupant usually by an owner occupant who yeah the kitchen was built in 1960 but i can deal with that for a discount i can put it in when i right. you know when my tax refund comes exactly. or whatever yep. um and he said he said that's right and i said see you you have a a flaw basic, in your business plan. basic flaw here <laughs> that you could have overcome just by looking at sale prices in those areas. You, if you had just, if you had just started by saying what are the lowest sale prices in these areas, and then looked at what you were going to have to offer, you would have known that those were mm-hmm. not the. Or you could have asked somebody. That would have been the other alternative. But right, yes, well, that's still <laughs> research, though. It, sure, of course it is. Yeah. Of course it is. So it's a it's a process of of thinking and research and testing your own assumptions, testing mm-hmm. what you've heard experts say. Right. It's just, just because someone you consider an expert says it doesn't mean it's necessarily the case. And many hours of this, and why bother? 
Why, why not spend that time going out and looking for deals? Well, I mean, what it boils down to is if, if you truly have a, a business plan that's well thought through, it, it truly becomes a, a roadmap to success. Um, you've, you've gone through, you've uh, documented your assumptions, you've verified them, you've thought through what I call the SWOT analysis, the strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats. Um, you've addressed all of those issues, both positive and negative. You've come up with a viable plan of, I want to do this strategy in this area, uh, down to this is what I expect for a profit on each deal, all that sort of thing. And you've documented that, all that out. And then the, the later part of the plan is where you actually take that and break it down into actual action. Mm-hmm. And you say, in order to do this, I need to make 17 offers per week or whatever your math backs you down to. Um, and when you go out and actually execute that plan, you are much, much, much more likely to be successful in your business. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I need to make 17 offers per week, and in order to do that, I have to have 20 sellers call me, and in order to do that, I have to send out 100 postcards, and right. in order to do that, I have to find a mailing list, and, and it really does right. ultimately come down to what should I be doing this evening, what should I be doing tomorrow evening, what should I be doing on Saturday, right. which is, is something that an amazingly few people right. Right. And, you know, another thing that you learn through that is what time of a what type of a time commitment are you looking at? What are the skills that collectively you need? And this is the broader you. This isn't you personally. But in order to do this business, there is a whole set of of skills that you need to have. You know, you may be the greatest negotiator in the world. But if you can't write marketing material, <laughs> you're never going to get anybody to, to call you. So um, it's it's actually taking stock of, of your skills, your resources, your time. You know, if you're if you're going to try to keep a full time job, mm-hmm. to to have a full time job and to do rehab retail, for instance, is hard. Mm-hmm. You know, there's just too much personal involvement. Now, can you manage a rental business? and maintain a full-time job. Yeah, you can do that. That's a lot easier. So it's it's going through and really taking stock of all your skills, your resources, your time availability, other people's time uh, and availability. Then, and then <laughs> and then actually learning, okay, I need to go out and and bring somebody else into this team, mm-hmm. you know. And if that's the copywriter or if it's that's that's the the college kid that you have address envelopes for you or go out and hang bandit signs or you know whatever it is that needs to be done that you don't personally have the time or the skill to do it helps you identify all those sorts of things as part of your plan Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and and keeps you from sitting there brain locked over but i can't write marketing material i've tried and it doesn't work okay who can right where do you get it if you don't if you if you don't have it who who can you get it from you know Mm -hmm. or or because i i remember before I really sat down and did a business plan, and I, I will confess, it was a long time. It's like 13 years in right. I wrote my right. business plan. It wasn't because I couldn't figure out what to do. It was that there was too much to do. Right. And I was full-time, and I was you know working 80 hours a week and right. still not getting it all done. And the thing that I would get brain-locked over because I'm an entrepreneur, and entrepreneurs, by definition, think they can do everything better than everybody else. Yes, and, we can. Yes, yes. of course. <laughs> and... Um, I didn't have a website because I thought I I didn't have the time to sit down and learn how to code. Right. I needed to learn HTML yeah, so that I could have a sure website. Sure, you did. <laughs> and it was <laughs> it 
<laughs> it was uh, I, seriously. I, like, I I went through that for like eight months of of trying to like take online classes and things like that to to learn to do something I don't like to do and I'm not right. good at. Right. So it was creating the business plan that that really laid it out mm-hmm. and made me see there is so much to do here that if I don't let go of some of it, then I am accepting that I'm always going to be working 80 hours a week and right. am never going to get and the stuff done that I need done. Real quick, before we scare everybody to death, um, you were working 80 hours a week. Now that you have a business plan and you're actually working your plan, how many hours a week do you actually spend on real estate? Ten. Yeah. 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 Now I do other things, of I know. Course. I know you, you do know, other I things. I volunteer full-time for Cincinnati Rio, for instance. But <laughs> yeah, there's that. Yeah. <laughs> I do this. You know, I do this. I do this radio show that they pay me zillions of dollars for. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> and yeah. Mike makes twice what I do. I know. Um, so, <laughs> so uh, yeah, I mean, it's, 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 it, 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 the, the way that um, Missy McCall Hammonds, who, who both you and I know and have been here on the program, the way she describes it is until she wrote a business plan, she thought of herself and the business as being the same thing. Correct. It's it's how much work can I do today, not what is the business going to accomplish today. And by creating the business plan and separating it from all the personal goals. Because mm-hmm. if, if people wrote down stuff at the beginning of this year, it was... Buy ten more houses, lose ten pounds, <laughs> uh, make you know, create a hundred thousand dollars more in equity, and stop smoking. And that's that 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 just says how much we conflate ourselves with our business. Mm-hmm. And when you have a business plan, you can start to look at that and say, yeah, it needs to be done. I don't need to be the one to do it. Right. So, uh, great reasons to bother to sit down and write a business plan. But since many of us, again, did not come out of a corporate America background or have not started other businesses and don't know what goes into a business plan, that's what we are going to talk about as soon as we come back from this break. If you have any questions, you can give us a call at 877-772-9658 or you can send an email to askvina at gmail.com. Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. I'm your host, Vina Jones-Cox, talking today about business plans for real estate investors with Jerry Fink. You can always stay in touch with Real Life Real Estate Investing on Facebook at facebook.com slash Estate, or you can join our email list at askvina.com. Most weeks we have some kind of special gift for you for... Staying in touch. This week it is a 27 page ebook called 12 Strategies for Negotiating with Sellers. That changes up from time to time, so you might want to keep going back there. When you go there and register, you'll get a weekly email from Real Life Real Estate telling you about the upcoming program. And the email almost always includes a neat form or contract or article by our guests or about their topics. So that's askvina.com or Facebook, facebook.com slash real life real estate. I'm going to clean up a couple of questions that have come in to the program via askvina at gmail.com. Uh, David, this is, this, is a, this is an interesting one and not the first time any group leader <laughs> of any organization in the country has heard this. 
Uh, what do you suggest to keep a positive attitude when everything and everyone seems to try to beat you down? It seems like all the people around me are negative or make assumptions of what can or can't be done. It drives me nuts. I have few friends and even they don't understand my thinking, goals, or points of view. I feel like I'm on a deserted island most days. It's very frustrating. Any ideas that might help would be appreciated. <laughs> yeah, that's that's very common. Um, I think one of the... the you know, not to be flippant about it, but sometimes you have to change your friends. Um, you you have to associate with people who are like-minded. And this is not really a business plan topic, but, but it, it more falls under things like um, the mentors, the coaches, the mastermind groups, um, it, it, surrounding your pe- yourself with people who have similar um, ideas and goals and values to what it is that you're trying to do. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I know, you know, Vina and I <laughs> will call up each other once in a while, totally, <laughs> totally frustrated, and, you know, <laughs> just to get our heads back on straight, um, you know, because of the idiots that we deal with in this business sometimes. Um, but it, it really is that you, you have to um, do some of that affirmation, you know, that you were talking about earlier, um, you know, as, as, as trite as that can sound, it, it, it really is surrounding yourself with the people and the ideas um, of what you are, are trying to accomplish. Mm-hmm. Control what's going in. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and, and this, is, this is such a common question, and he stated it better than just about anybody I've ever heard mm-hmm. uh, stated that I want to spend a minute on it, even though it's, as you said, it's kind of not business plans. Um, the soft part of this business of how do I get up in the morning and do what needs to be done and manage the people who need to be to be managed. Once you've learned what you need to learn, that part of it is 80% of your success. <laughs> it, uh, the, then the other 20% is just doing it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, real estate in- associations, if, right. if, they, if they are good positive associations. I mean, I've been to groups where basically everybody just seemed to sit around and complain about mm-hmm. you know tenants or <laughs> whatever and that's not good but uh you know if you belong to an association that has um good positive people in it obviously attend the meetings if you uh belong to an association that has some good positive people in it meet with them separately right <laughs> right come right. Yeah, create a lunch group a mastermind group right. but you can't be at meetings all the time unless you belong to, you know, Cincinnati or in which case there almost is a meeting all the time. But uh, there, there's all sorts of great, um, not just, not just motivational. I'm not, I'm not a big fan of the stuff that's just purely, you can do it. You could do it. Although, right. you know, it is good for a, a short term shot in the arm, but uh, personal development, productivity things. If, if you go to YouTube mm-hmm. and, and just put in the search, um, uh, how do I have a positive attitude today? A million videos will come up and right. intentionally controlling, you know, what's going into your brain constantly is going to go a long way. Now, the other thing is I've noticed that when I most feel like people are being real critical of me and negative and down on me is when I also most feel like things are not going well. Like, like mm-hmm. they're basically saying what's inside my head and I don't want to hear hearing it. it at that point. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, trying to kind of intentionally control your those negative thoughts as they come up because right. you know we're we're very 
just as human beings are very controlled by our emotions. If we're feeling down that day, we don't want to do anything, even though we got stuff to, to get done. So it's very important to try and turn that around. And some, you know, sometimes the audios and videos and things like that uh, can help a lot. So uh, great question, David. Appreciate it. A uh, question from Mike, who says he's a first time listener. Thank oh, you, Mike. Welcome, Mike. He says, uh, you had mentioned that uh, you had had to do some research on what your competitors were charging Correct. for apartment rents. He wants to know what the best way to do that yeah. is. Well, um, there are a lot of ways. Um, you know, we literally got down to the point of calling the other apartment complexes in the area. And, you know, you, you can do it two ways. You can go in as if you're, you know, pretending to be a tenant. Or you can say, I'm looking at buying a, a complex in the area and I'm, I'm just trying to understand, you know, what what is the business environment here and you know uh, you know most of us are are pretty forthright people and you know you can have just a normal discussion uh you can get uh the larger cities that have something like an apartment guide you know you can grab that and look at those um there are various online sites uh which have rents which you know you kind of have to filter those a little bit to make sure that you're getting you know what you you really think you are um, but again, it's just getting down and doing, doing the research. Um, and you know, in some ways on the, the larger complexes, that's easier because you know, your, your competitors are readily visible to you in that case. Whereas, you know, a single family house, that's a, a little harder to do. You know, you're not going to get into your competitor's house to see what amenities they actually have in that one, you know, as a rule. Mm-hmm. It, it's much like comping, you know, the value of a single-family home. You just try and find a similar unit, mm-hmm. similar area, similar amenities. That's that's the one that always, you know, throws me for a loop because every apartment I own is in an older building, and they don't have swimming pools and right. country clubs and tennis courts and all that stuff. So, right. So those aren't comps. Right. So yeah. as I'm trying to figure out what the value is, the first thing I do is eliminate all the mm-hmm. new, big, fancy uh, apartment buildings and go to the ones that are right. most similar to mine in terms of what the um, – uh, amenities are uh, got a question here and this was inevitable this is from tim who is who sent me a link to an article that was in the cincinnati inquirer okay last sunday uh it was entitled real estate sales tactics skates line <laughs> and it was a very strange vague uh article that conflated a bunch of different stuff regarding wholesaling and didn't really ever say anything definite and I'm going to have I'm going to go ahead and have Matt post that article on our Facebook page at real life real estate uh, facebook.com slash real life real estate so that everybody who's listening from throughout the country can know what I'm talking about right. we're going to have to do an entire show on that that's not going to be something that uh, we can address today and but I would recommend Tim that you go back and listen to the show that aired on January 1st, which was with uh, Maurice Thompson. He is an attorney who has looked into some of these issues in the state of Ohio and has some very strong opinions mm-hmm. about um, the division being overly aggressive and <laughs> saying that... It's a polite way to say it. Yes. Uh, well, we are on the radio and all. So, um, question from Tom, and this actually dovetails with what we were going to talk about next anyway. Uh, he says, hey, Vina and Jerry, the challenge of compiling a business plan is to then not put it in a drawer and forget about it exactly. <laughs> <laughs> once it's completed. This often happens in larger companies. It should be a living document. Can you share a few of the elements and specifics from your business plan? Okay. All right. Um, you know, it's it's going to vary a little bit 
you know, depending on the exact market and everything that you're going after. But generally what you want to do is, first of all, you want to just define what is the business. You know, or is, is it a rental business? Is it a retail business? Is it a wholesaling? Are you buying notes? You know, what what is it that you're doing? Um, you know, and, and really get down and, and think about it and define it and a little bit about, you know, why you think that that's a good business to be in. Um, you want to talk, you know, about um, things like sales strategies. You know, if you're going to if you're going to be renting properties, how are you going to market them? If you're going to be wholesaling, how are you going to market them? If you're going to be retailing, how are you going to market them? So, sales strategies um, are something you're going to get into. On the other side, of that obviously is the acquisitions. Um, if you know, if you're going to do rentals, you're going to define. What areas am I going to go into? What am I looking for? You know, do I do I want to specialize in one bedroom, one bathroom, uh, four hundred and sixty square foot houses, <laughs> you know, or you know, whatever ridiculous thing you want to try to do? But you know, each of those things has a niche, and if you can actually kind of define, you know, why you think that that's a good niche, you know, that's that's great. Mm-hmm. Um, you want to go through and go through a, a formal analysis of of your skills. Uh, we talked about that a little bit before, you know, what, what skills do I have? What skills are necessary to do this business? What can I do? What do I need to hire somebody to do? How much time do I have? All that sort of thing. Um, you're going to want to walk through and actually create the financial plans and we could spend an entire show on, on that side of it. Obviously being a CPA, I kind of have a little bit of bias toward that side, but, um, what what are your goals? What how much do you anticipate making, you know, on a on an individual wholesale deal? And you know, you and I through the years have talked about, you know, your business and how you have a very specific goal for what you want to uh have as a minimum uh profit per deal. Which keeps me from chasing around deals that don't have that so, so some of what the business plan does is it makes it quick to make decisions that otherwise you suffer over. Mm-hmm. Um, and Shiny stars. It, well, exactly. And, and uh, you know, you, you use the example of a rental business. And I would recommend to every landlord that they take a really close look at rentals down to the level of how many stories is it? How many, uh, how old is it? Because mm-hmm. it, one of the things that I slowly came to realize over many, 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 many years was that there was a particular kind of property that I that I spent less money maintaining mm-hmm. than other kinds of properties. Exactly. And that that is a one-story house. Right. Uh, and that was built post about 1960. Right. Now we don't we don't get the chance to buy a lot of, you know, 1990 houses here in Cincinnati cuz we're we're an older city, but if I was mm-hmm. in Atlanta, I would probably be looking at post 1990 houses. Right. Because they're just they're everywhere. Well, it, they're, yeah, that 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 type of house is relatively small, so turnover paint and carpet doesn't mm-hmm. eat you alive. Where and we have many three thousand square foot five and six bedroom houses here built in eighteen eighty, and just painting and carpeting it costs four thousand dollars every time yeah. you have to do it. Right. Um, so so really getting into that level of detail, so that when a seller calls you with a spectacular deal on a 2,500 square foot, three-story frame house built in 1900 with 
God knows what construction techniques you you, you can and just go. And it's forty five minutes from your house. And it's forty five minutes from your house. You you can just kind of say, you know, that's just really not in my wheelhouse. And you can you can wholesale it, but you're not going right. to buy it as a rental, right? Or, or just refer it to somebody you know who does work that you know type of property. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's the thing you get in this business for a while. You you really get to learn who you know who among your colleagues does what where. Mm-hmm. And I mean, we trade deals around you know all the time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You're listening to Real Life Real Estate Investing, talking today about business plans and what goes into them and why you probably need to spend some time really thinking about and creating one. We will be back right after this. Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. I'm your host, Vina Jones-Cox. My guest is Jerry Fink. And if you want to know more about how to create a business plan, getting into some detail about exactly what goes into it, and also um, like how to set yourself up to succeed in 2015. And you're going to be in the Cincinnati area tomorrow night. Come to the Cincinnati RIA meeting at uh, CincinnatiRIA.com, and you're welcome even if you're you know driving in from Indianapolis or Lexington or, I don't know, flying in from San Francisco, <laughs> where apparently things are too expensive to rent, according to me. Um, so... <laughs> Uh, got a question here from Brandon that is really more of a rehab question than it is a, um, a business question. But since we have like the retailer here, uh, he says, my, my wife and I are both licensed agents uh, looking to do flips where you have one re- uh, rental currently, but with my background being heavy into rehabbing properties, it makes sense to go into flips. My question is, what type of financing would you suggest that we do to stay safe on the first flip? I want to stay away from hard money and go conventional. How do I stay away from paying high points or closing costs? And what's the norm for these loans currently? And as soon as I read that, I thought, Brandon... Why do you want to stay away from hard money for a flip if what you're looking for is safe? <laughs> yeah, you know, that's that's a huge, huge question. Um, financing for flips um, comes in various forms. You know, you, you, uh, you mentioned that you only have one property. So you you can still go to a bank and get a conventional loan. I cannot do that. <laughs> mm-hmm. They they look at me and they say, you own too much property, we can't lend you any money. It's a very strange uh, metric of, <laughs> of how the banks look at look at us at this point. But you can still do that. And um, that is probably the cheapest way to get money because you can probably qualify for something under 5%. Mm-hmm. Uh, because because of where you you know where you sit in the in the uh, spectrum here. Well, but but at the same time, he's going to lose deals doing that because yes, when, he will. when he goes when he goes to a bank and he uh, you know bank owned property right. and says I will pay you this price, but it's going to take me forty five days to close. He's going to lose out to somebody On, who's standing there with a hard money loan right. approval, right? Who can close in two weeks? In those cases, it's true. Um, so, you know, you kind of walk through, you know, the various levels. The The next level to me is, is what I call private lenders. And private lenders are people that you seek out who have available money uh, that they're they're willing to invest with you on a project. Um, typically, the rate is a little bit better and the points that those people charge is a little bit better. Uh, but it does take a while and being in the business a while to find those people. 
Um, Unless you have a friend or relative, a friend who's or relative, got money who, sitting around that right. they'd like to get invested. Right. So you know that's kind of the next one. You you walk on down the line further, and you get into the hard money. And you know these are the people that are somewhere, you know, three to five points, and usually between about nine point nine and fifteen percent, something like that, on your money. Um, the advantage of those people, is, as Vina just mentioned, is that. You know, once you've you've been through the qualification process the first time with those people, you can get to get to that money very quickly. Now, from the rehab retail uh, side, the thing that you have to do is just make sure that the deal supports those costs. Um, so what I'm saying there is, as long as I'm able to buy a, a property at a low enough price that I can pay the five points and the fifteen. Uh, percent for six to nine months that it's going to take me to to rehab it, uh, market it, and get it closed. As long as the deal supports those kind of numbers, um, you know, there's really nothing ethically, morally, or uh, fattening about you know <laughs> about using uh, the hard money. Well, and I, and I would challenge you, Brandon, to sit down with a spreadsheet and compare the the difference in in actual costs between the highest hard money loan there is out there, which is like five points and fifteen percent interest, versus getting a bank loan and paying for an appraisal, a um, uh, you know the, the the application fees, the closing costs, etc. When you look at it over six months, because mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, five percent is a great interest rate, and actually, uh, investor rates are not a four again now. Four percent is awesome, but mm-hmm. over the course of six months, the more important thing is what did you pay up front to get it, right? Right, because in right. in six months, really, what you're going to pay the hard money lender is like seven and a half percent, and right. that's how long you should be taking to fix and sell that property. So. Uh, in raw dollars, I think you're going to find it doesn't make that it's big a difference. It's not a huge, huge difference, right? Right. Right, and, and, and get, g- getting in and getting the deal and and getting it done and getting on to the next one is the most important thing. Mm-hmm. Those of you who heard me talk, you know, know that the holding costs are what will will kill you. You right. got to get in and get it done and and move on. And Brandon, if if you happen to come to Cincinnati Rio tomorrow night, I'd like to talk to you about what it is you think you think you mean by be safe with my first loan. Because anytime you're signing your name to the bottom line, you're right. taking on some risk. Right. So uh, back to the actual topic at hand: um, <laughs> uh, business plans. You, uh, one of the one of the things that the, the first time I ever heard this, I, I could not suss out what it meant, and you just said it again: is this idea of the SWOT analysis. Mm-hmm. And and once I understood what it was, I realized that it was a very important part yes. of of analyzing how your business was going to move forward. So can we talk a little bit about what that means, okay. and right. particularly the W and the T in okay. there? <laughs> Let me go through each one just real quick. Um, the S is strengths, you know. So, well, that's relatively easy. But you know, what is it that I am particularly good at? You know, in in my case, it's you know, it's rehab knowledge, it's financial knowledge, uh, you know, the ability to analyze deals, you know, do all the number side of it. You know, all those things are my strengths, you know. The second is the W, and that's weaknesses. And that's what um, what am I not good at? Um, or um, what are the weaknesses in my plan? Where am I vulnerable? Um, those sorts of things. So a, a weakness, you know, um, you know, I am not a particularly good, like Vina talked about before, the web. Uh, stuff. There's no way in the world that I could write a web page, nor am I going to try. So in my case, that's a weakness. That's something that, you know, that I have to hire somebody to do. So you, you go through and you, you really sit down and you think about um, the weaknesses that 
you have personally, and then how are you going to address those? Um, the O stands for opportunities, and you know that's why a lot of us uh, would get into a business to begin with. Is they you see some opportunity? There's some niche that's not being filled. Um, so part of the analysis that you go through, like one that comes to mind right now, is the rental market. There is a a huge, I think, opportunity in the rental market for the next X years. Uh, a lot of factors go into that. You know, all the the younger folks that are coming out of college um, are not interested in buying houses. Uh, they're going to rent. So who are they going to rent from? You know, there's just a huge opportunity, I think, uh, in, in the rental market over the next several years. And then the T stands for threats. Um, what are the, the threats that are, are out there um, that could really hurt my business? And some things that I just thought of right here while me and I were talking between sessions was um, what about the fact that leads in the MLS are drying up, right? You know, three years ago, you didn't have to know anything other than how do I find a real estate agent who can open the MLS for me and get me <laughs> access to these leads. That was the only marketing that you needed to know. But that's declining. I mean, those of you who have been following this for several years know, you know, it is getting tough to find um, good deals in the MLS. So that's a threat. How am I going to address that? I'm going to find other means of marketing to get to the deals. Uh, what about things like the government? You know, the government is a constant threat to our business, especially things like the rental registration laws and uh, smoke detector laws and Dodd-Frank Dodd -Frank and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So the government uh, and the legislators are always a threat to our, our, um, our business. Um, what about something that has to change here? And that's interest rates. Right, interest rates can only go one direction. So, how am I going to build my business so it's as insulated as possible from interest rates? And you know, one thing for sure that I want to avoid is anything that has an adjustable mortgage. You know, because mm -hmm. if I look three or five years down the road, adjustable mortgages would potentially kill uh, a deal and/or my business. So. It's just going through, again, looking at the strengths, the weaknesses, the opportunities, and the threats to your plan and actually thinking through each of those, what's the impact, and how am I going to set up my business so it's not affected by those things. Mm -hmm. And in the 30 seconds or so we have left, I'm just going to reiterate how important it is that you join some sort of real estate association, meet up something, because for the new investor even understanding what those threats could be is right. uh, how would you know right? right well you know by talking to other people who are in your business and you know kicking things around with them because all of these things can be dealt with but you need to know what the what the upcoming opportunities and threats are and the only way you stay connected is by being with other people who are in the same business right. if you're in the greater cincinnati area you can do that tomorrow night by coming to the cincinnati ria meeting uh, if you are looking for a real estate association elsewhere in the United States, you can go to nationalrea.com and they have a list of organizations from throughout the country. But that's a very good goal to set for yourself this year. If you don't belong to a RIA association, join one. We are out of time. But we will be back next week with more information to put you on the path to financial independence through real estate. Until then, happy investing. Happy investing.